welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Today we're stopping in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, Light Beyond Darkness, Light Beyond Darkness. This past week, um, some of us were talking about tight places that we've been in, and, and, uh, uh, and in our family, as we tell stories, they seem to get better with age. I don't know if it works like that in your family or not, but my brother Phil said that uh, when he lived in central Pennsylvania, this is back in the, uh, the mid-70s, and he was working with the Royal Ranger boys. And so one of the things that they decided to do was to go spelunking. How many know what spelunking is? How many do not know what spelunking is? All right, okay. What spelunking is is going into a cave, cave exploring. And so they took this group of boys, just imagine this, all right, how many like dark places and tight places? And Okay, so they take, he took this group of boys, and uh, you can imagine they're rambunctious, and they get to the cave, and what they did, uh, it was a, a, an operation, commercial operation, and they handed out these miners' helmets with lamps on the end of it, and uh, there are no directions, but they said there's a there's a line in there. You just hang onto that line. That's what you do. And, and it'll tell you where to go. And how many, how many would be thankful for that? Uh, I'm not going in any cave without directions. Okay? Some of you, you're, you're already starting to hyperventilate. And so we said they, they went into this thing, and then it got narrower and narrower. And after a while, all light went. It was a gone. Utter darkness except for their, their miner's lamps. And not everyone had miners' lamps, and but he was leading this brave bunch, and he said they came to a place where it was about three feet high, and they're crawling through like this, and these kids are behind them, and he's reaching for the the cord, and go, and all of a sudden they came to a place, and there was no more cord; it had stopped. They couldn't find it. And by then they were deep enough and some of these lamps are going out and the only way out is to go back in a tight place and the boys are pushing forward. Come on, man, get going, get going. No one realized how serious of the situation it was. How many have ever been in a spot like that in your life? Darkness, hope, maybe despair, And obviously they survived. He got them back out. Isaiah chapter 6 is a wonderful passage from God's Word that talks about how to get to the light beyond the darkness that you find yourself in. And that darkness could be any number of things. The fact that you're human is is the fact that we experience nighttime and daytime. The good news is, in Jesus Christ, the lifeline is never broken. How many, how many know that? In fact, God's Word says we have an anchor 
for our soul that's fastened to the throne of God that is sure and steadfast and it is unbreakable that is never broken, that leads us back to the Lord. And Isaiah talks about that. The book of Isaiah is the most cherished of all the prophetical books in the Old Testament. It's alluded to in the New Testament by the New Testament writers over 250 times and quoted over 50 times, and Jesus quotes Isaiah. How many know if Jesus is quoting something, it's really good? How many know that? Yeah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember that Luke chapter 4? He's anointed me to preach good news to the captive, to open the eyes of the blind, set at liberty those that are, that are in darkness. It is a book that has some great scriptures, uh, famous scriptures. For instance, how many are familiar with this? The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For unto you is born a son, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It was the prophecy about Jesus Christ coming. How about no weapon formed against you will prosper? How about Isaiah, I believe it's 42, where God says, 42 or 43 says this, that he said, you are my people, and when you walk through the waters, they will not overcome you. When you walk through the fire, it will not consume you. When you walk through the darkness, I will be walking there with you. How about sing to the Lord a new song? It's found in Isaiah. It's also found in Isaiah chapter 98, verse number 1. By his stripes we are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. But by his stripes we were healed. Isaiah is this wonderful book that talks about the purposes of God and his great love for his people. How about this one that God says to his people, then and today, he said that, behold, I am your maker, but I am also your husband. Can you imagine that? And listen to this. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, and God pleads. God pleads. I don't know who he pleads to. I don't understand this. Well, I do when you look at the New Testament, but he pleads for the justice and the cause of his people because Jesus is the great intercessor. Praise God. Amen. All of that is found in the book of Isaiah, and I encourage you to, to read it and discover just the delights that are there. But in Isaiah chapter 6, begins with darkness and death and ends in light. Chapter number 12, it ends there, and chapter number 12 says, and you will say in that day, and Isaiah is a book of, when we look at prophecy, prophecy so often, uh, prophecy in the Old Testament had to do in three dimensions, right now, but then in the future, but also finally in the end times when God restores and makes all things to himself and brings the new heavens and the new earth. And in chapter 12, it says, And in that day you will say, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord is my strength and might. And with joy you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. And then God says, Great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Can someone say amen? That's the promises of God 
today for you and for me. The first thing I want to share with you is this, that Israel's king died, but their God was alive. And you, you did hear that in, the, in your program, there's a place for you to take notes on your smartphone. If you use the Bible app, version, you just go there, go to the homepage and down in the lower right hand, uh, there's a, a menu thing, hit that. And then, it'll, then that next page that'll come up is, uh, next screen will come up. The third thing down says events, hit events. And Grace Assembly of God will come up along with Mountain Christian Crossroads Church and all that. But when you hit Grace Assembly of God, it'll have every note today that's in your bulletin. You can take notes, you can add things to it, and uh, you can follow along that way if you want. And so the background to this is Israel kings died, but their God was alive. And verses uh, 1 through 4, I want to read this, and then I'm going to show a map to you after we read this. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Just notice this. In the year that he died, I saw. I saw. And then there were seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Let's show the map if we would. I'm going to, uh, I'll, uh, I think you can follow along with this, but let me, um, uh, let me, I'll pick this one over here. Isaiah, Isaiah, in this chapter, was commissioned by the Lord. He was not a prophet of the Lord before this time. Isaiah was this brilliant student of international affairs. And he also had a keen understanding of the king's court. And Isaiah knew some things that the public would not know. And what he knew was that Uzziah had died, who had ruled for 52 years, and the public knew this, of peace and security and great prosperity. But you see, through, through the promised land right here, runs a highway called the King's Highway that goes down to Egypt. And it connects Egypt and it goes through and then down to these powers, kingdoms here. And so one conquering kingdom would come through here and they'd go through Israel, the King's Highway, and they'd try to conquer the Egyptians. And the Egyptians would go to what is today, present-day Baghdad, Iraq and Iran, and it went all the way over to the Persian Gulf. And you know the problems that's, that's there today. And what Isaiah knew was that up until, well, as long as King Uzziah reigned, the strongest nation on earth and kingdom, the Assyrians were stopped at this line. It's a broken line. 
They were stopped right here. The kingdom was contained. But as a student of international affairs, he knew that the heart's desire of this particular king of Assyria, and Assyria is pictured as a bear. Anyone remember that in prophecy with this rib? And I mean, it's, it's a bad nation. But he knew that they wanted to invade and conquer the whole known world, including Egypt. And as long as Uzziah was the king, he was able to keep them at bay. And almost as soon as King Uzziah died, this, this, the Assyrians, follow this yellow one here, came down and they would conquer over the next hundred years or so the entire world that was known at that time. And so when it says that in the year that King Uzziah died, what is not written is what the background to the passage was. And for Uzziah, for his world, what he saw and what he knew was coming, it's just like one of the men that came to faith in the Lord and was, and, and, and was an attorney over at the proving grounds and and was very, very knowledgeable, and he came to the Lord, and I had the opportunity to disciple him for a number of years. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, Pastor Paul, he said, everyone is focused on Russia. He said, I want you to know. He said, China is eating our lunch. Years ago, he said, it's been going on for years, and no one will stand up to them. The press focuses on Russia but China's eating our lunch. Isaiah knew what Assyria would do, and sure enough, they did it. And he saw the Lord. Hope was gone, loss, and a depressing situation. But that phrase, I saw the Lord, and he describes it in the middle of this. He said he was seated. That means, how many know that the work of God is done? He doesn't have to rise up. His work has been set into motion. He is exalted. He is holy. And the whole earth is full of his glory. His world, friends, contains our world. When we're in the middle of a dark situation, we're in the middle, when we're in a cave and the lifeline breaks and there's no light at all, and where we need to get to is only by some unnatural way and there's all these voices and forces saying, no, go forward. God is in control. You see, we want to believe that our world is what we can see and we allow God into little bits and pieces of our world when it helps us and satisfies us. But what God wants us to know that he is exalted, he is high, he is holy, and his world contains our world. Can someone say amen? There is a huge difference in understanding to know that his world contains our world, not the other way around. And Isaiah saw the Lord. 
Helen Keller said this, and I was so inspired as I was, I was uh, studying, preparing, and just looking at different people and quotes. And, and this is what she said in the middle of her darkness. She said, I can see... How many know who Helen Keller is, by the way? Yeah. Uh, by the, she, was, she was totally blind, totally deaf. She was the first uh, um, uh, blind person in the history of the United States to receive a degree from college. She died in 1961. She learned to speak not by listening to anyone's voices because she was totally, totally deaf, but, but by touching their lips, as she would say, sound out, say this word, and they would speak and she would touch their lips. And so that she learned to speak so well that she would give inspiring speeches in her adult life, and you can look it up in YouTube and you can listen to her. It's just absolutely phenomenal. She talked about God and her relationship with the Lord, and this is what she said in the middle of her darkness, I can see, and that is why I can be happy in what you call the dark, but which to me is golden. I can see a God-made world, not a man-made world, because in him we live and move and have our being. It is a certainty for you and me as a child of God that we live in God's world, and he is in control of those who are in control. Could someone say amen? Thank you, Lord. Even in death, God has life. Lazarus was raised by Jesus for God's glory. Jesus, Paul the apostle wrote, was crucified for our sins and buried for three days, and on the third day he rose again in power. God raised him for our salvation, and because he lives, we live. Praise God. Amen. The second thing I want to share with you, though, is to look up to see and experience God. We're going to read verses 5 through 7. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am un I'm ruined or undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Hope and new life require a new look and a new direction. Someone has said, you can't see, you can't discover the light by analyzing the dark. Helen Keller said this, when one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one which has been opened for us. Isaiah looked up to see God, that he was awesome and holy. And when he looked up, he experienced a touch from God on his life that changed him, forever changed him. He aligned himself with God's glory, power, and holiness, and he surrendered to his will and God began a new work in him. It's called, he was now called the prophet Isaiah. 
God wants us to know that God is doing a new thing. Isaiah would later write this, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. And, and I, I don't know what areas of darkness you've gone through or what those old things are, or door happiness. Sometimes it's, it's as traumatic as a, a boyfriend or girlfriend's left you. I just want you to know there's a lot of fish in the ocean. If they've dumped you for no good reason, you don't want them in the first place. Listen, God loves us. He's got something good for us. You deserve better than that. You've loved God. You've done right. Or, and maybe you've not done right. You've done something that you're ashamed of or someone's left you. God is the God of new beginnings. Can someone say, praise God? Yes. He's the, yes, yes. We can, yes. But there's other things that we go through that are dark and deep and we don't know where to turn and there seems to be nowhere out. But the word of the Lord says, don't keep your mind dwelling on those former things or other things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is doing a new thing. He's a God of new things, praise God. New things. New things. But we cannot find God's light by analyzing the darkness. You, many of you know that a few years ago, we experienced something that we never thought we'd experience when the call came and our first, uh, the, the, the firstborn of our youngest daughter, she called and she said, Mom, Dad, the baby's, the baby's has died inside of me. And he was three, just couple days, two or three days from delivery. And all the hopes and all the everything, and we grabbed the next flight and we flew out there to be with her while she delivered that baby, that beautiful baby. We held that thing in our arms, but there would be no response. And all the hopes and the, all those things were dashed. And the tendency was, the tendency was to go in this deep hole. There was no answers. Why God? Why God? Why us? Or why? what a beautiful home that they would have come into. They, they love God and they love and they want children and their life is together. And, and Lord, I mean, why? Why? And we came to the conclusion there are some answers we will never know, but we cannot allow ourselves to dive into the deep, dark, whole because there's no, the lifeline's broken. The lamps are out. There's no way out of that. And so we, all we could do is say, God, in your mercy and grace, we don't understand that, but sustain us in this time. And someday, there was a song in church years ago, some of you might remember, we'll understand it better by and by. And it didn't help if anyone said, well, God needed a little angel in heaven. I thought, well, why take ours? Take somebody else's. That didn't help. But when people walked with us through the darkness or put their arm around us, made all the difference in the first service, 
Laura Watmau, who served the Lord for a number of years, just retired as an RN, and she's, I don't know, in her late 70s, and she said when she first came to the Lord and she was married and had kids, she went through a dark place. Now, that's all I have to say. If you're married and have little kids, you'll go through a dark place. How many understand that? I mean, it's just the way it is. And she said, I was sitting on the couch, and I felt so discouraged, and I wasn't good enough, and... And she said, and I just come to the Lord, and she said it just, she said, and all of a sudden, a voice said, I just want you to look, and she said, I saw this tunnel, and there was this light in this dark tunnel, and it got brighter and brighter, and this figure that was walking as it got closer to it, she said it was Jesus. Jesus came to her, and she said it, it changed her direction and her sight, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. He was exalted, and he was seated at the same time. God is doing a new thing, and he wants to do a new thing. But we can't go forward by looking backward. God has new hope for us. What Isaiah did is what God calls us to do in the middle of this is to render our lack take ownership of it, and sing a new song to the Lord. The song might be feeble. The song might be off-key. The song might be, it would be disqualifying if you tried out for the worship team. They said, no, and no, you can't even sing in the Christmas choir. I mean, it's just not going to work at all. Um, but I'm sure God has a place for you someone else. You know, Daniel, I'm sure he's had to say that a few times. And in his way, he can say it a whole lot better than I. I Daniel's a, listen, we're privileged to the staff we have. I just want you to know that. Yes. Daniel can say things to people and let them down and they feel good about it as they walk out the door. Now, how many know that's a gift? I don't have that. but we surrender our lack to the Lord. God, I'm inadequate for this. When we see God and he touches us, that touch he has for us, it produces in us not a groveling before God, but it's, Lord, Lord, I need your help. I take ownership of this. There might be, Lord, forgive me in this situation. But the good news is that when God comes to us like that, he comes and he allows us and changes us so that we can sing a new song to the Lord, plays his name. And then God's touch will shake and change us. I want to ask a question. What new thing can God do in your life if you were to change your vision and your direction? I understand grieving. I understand depression. They're real. They have to be dealt with. But God calls us to sing a new song and to look up in the year that our Uzziah dies. Our vision, what we see, often is contained to just Uzziah. But God has something that's far bigger than the Uzziahs in our life, the situations in our life, because God is seated high and exalted and holy, praise his name, and his train fills the temple. Praise God. What new thing can God do for you? Um, one of the things that um, my, my wife, Chris, has said, uh, Paul, I want to cut back at the church. And I said, no, I'm, I, I really don't want you to cut back at the church because she's so valuable and what the things that she does and 
the people and outside people and just, uh, just a number of things, uh, HR issues and insurance issues. And I mean, it just, it goes on and on. And I said, no, I, I, I don't, uh, I, no. And, and basically she said, well, I, I'm, I'm cutting back. But one of the things that she has said to me is God has put in her heart a real compassion for elderly and elderly people and people who are even dying. And so one of the things, and she has visited people in the Bob Hooper, um, Bob Hooper house, and... Uh, it's a hospice. And one of the things that she is looking at right now is seeing how she could volunteer there to go from one door to another door because God can use us in anywhere, any place. How many understand that? Some people, you know, they re I've known of people that retired and they, they end up having terrific problems because they suddenly have no more purpose left in life. When we serve God, God has a purpose for us. Praise his name. Uzziah's death was Isaiah's commissioning. We're going to read verses 8 and 9. He said, this was God. Let's, let's read, uh, let's, let's go back to verse number 8. Verse number eight, is that, is that eight or are my eyes deceiving me? I, I'll, I'll read this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I go and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Isaiah's death, Uzziah's death was Isaiah's commissioning. We can start a new line. A new line. Someone has said, when all is dark, light a candle. Helen Keller said, I thank God for my handicaps, for through them I have found myself, my work, and my God. God wants us to know that he uses more than just kings. Just kings. Uzziah was a champion, but what the general public didn't know that he had been disqualified almost 15 years prior to the end of his death. If you read the story of Uzziah in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, what a, what a tragic story. He, he reigned for 52 years, and outwardly there was such peace and prosperity, but the last several years of his life it was falling apart inside of him and around him. The Bible says as long as he set his heart to seek the Lord, God helped him marvelously. But it also says this about him, but when he grew strong, he became proud to his destruction. He became proud to his destruction, and he felt that he could do anything he wanted. And as you read in that, that chapter 26 of 2 Chronicles, Uzziah now intrudes into the very temple the holy place where only the priest could go to offer sacrifices to God. And who else did that? What other king did that? Anyone else remember? 
Saul, and how did that work out? Not good. And when the priest confronted him, he became enraged. And God struck him with leprosy on the spot like that. You say, well, I don't believe that. Listen, it doesn't make any difference what you believe or what I believe. Our world is contained in God's world. God will not be contained in our world. How many understand that? Yes. And the note about Uzziah was this, that from that day forward, this is what Scripture records, he lived alone in a house separate from everybody else. And when he died, this king who had it all, all going on, God's word records this, that they buried him in the field of the kings. That's where David was buried. That's where Solomon was buried. That's where all the mighty ones, the righteous ones were buried, or the ones of note. They buried him in the field of the kings, but not with the kings. This close. This close. But his death became Isaiah's commissioning. God uses more than just the kings. There's kings and prophets and priests and servers and those that work in mega camp and those that worship the Lord and those that minister to the Lord and those that serve at the door and those that serve communion. All of those, all of us have a place in the Lord. And then the Lord said, who will go for us? There's, friends, there's no greater honor than saying yes to the Lord. I am so encouraged by um, so many of our young men and women that they have responded to the call of God. And when God says, who will go for us? They've said, like Isaiah, here am I, send me. Yeah. They are diving into the ocean, not just taking a drink now and then. They're all in for the Lord. Here am I, send me. There is no greater declaration. There is no greater place of security and purpose in God. No matter what it is, but when we say to the Lord and we look up and we see, and we allow God to touch us and minister to us, God has something new for you in your life. Praise his name. Let God's light in your darkest places. I'm going to have the band come if they would. Now, I read, read a quote I want to, I'll share with you, and it took me a moment to get my head wrapped around this, and it was this. Light thinks it's the fastest thing in the universe, but it's not. Darkness is. And the quote went on, no matter how fast light travels, it always finds the darkness has got there first and is waiting for it. But the good news is, when God's light comes, it dispels the darkness. Praise his name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to have the usher team come.